we're just starting a new little two-parter series, and uh, this is the first one, obviously, just in the run-up to Easter. Now, uh, have you ever chatted to any of maybe your work colleagues or family members, friends? They're, they're maybe not a, a, a Christian, and uh, you've chatted maybe a little bit about your faith or a bit about church, and they say to you, I'm, I'm not really into that, I'm not really religious, they sort of say that to you. And then one of the things you might sort of say, I'll just know I've done it you know, a few times, that depending how the conversation goes, you can say, well, well, I'm not really religious either. Because you don't tend to think of your faith necessarily in terms of being religious like that. So if you, have you had that kind of similar conversation, there's a few, you said that type of thing. So we don't necessarily think of being a Christian as engaging in just religious activity because right at the heart of our Christian faith and Christianity, which of course is a religion in that sense, we're happy with that, we say it's literally about knowing God, it's relationship, isn't it? And so, sure, we, you know, we go to church and we do, do things, but we don't think of it as uh, religious as such. I mean, now I um, grew up in the church, my parents went to church, they all go to church, I grew up in church, and so for all my life, uh, if you like, until I you know, really came to know Jesus, I knew quite a bit about God, you know, as much as an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old can, you might say, but sort of grew up knowing stuff about God, knowing bits of the Bible, you know, Sunday school Bible stories and everything, but, um, you know, for me personally, my uh, conversion experience, if you like, which I can remember fairly, uh, you know, quite clearly when I was about 19 and just sort of really encountered God, heard the message of the gospel, which I knew. I knew that already, but just heard it again about what Jesus had done for me, died for me, and my, just everything in me wanting him to give my life over to him. And at that moment, my knowledge of stuff of Christianity hadn't really increased at all, but I knew everything was different. Everything changed my life at that moment. And uh, because I now knew God. Now, I'm not saying I could have expressed it quite like that at that point, but I knew everything was different. My knowledge hadn't exactly increased, but I now knew God. I now knew I had a relationship with him and everything was different. And that's what we believe about faith, isn't it? For so many of us in this room, we know that we know God and that God knows us. And it's a wonderful truth, isn't it? You could give a little amen or put a smile on your face. If you know God, he knows you, and you know he loves you. It's like, that's good, you know. And what we're doing over these two, this sort of series, these two big words, as Paul said, they're big in concept, they're big in truth. You know, Trinity, what's that? Seven letters. It's not that big a word, as it were. Um, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, that's a big word. But... Um, so they're not big, that's a big concept, but these two words, Trinity and Incarnation, have, if you like, concepts, not that we're wanting to just stay conceptual, uh, of just great truth as how we can know God, how, if you like, God is even knowable to us. And obviously today, we're looking at Trinity and we'll look at the Incarnation, which very briefly, that's when it's the word we use to describe uh, God coming to take on human flesh, Jesus who is God, as we look at today, coming and taking on, uh, becoming a man, the incarnation. So we're looking at Trinity today and how that uh, distinct Christian doctrine, and we're going to take some time to look at that a little bit, but not go overboard, I hope, because um, in terms of just trying to rack our brains about how we understand it, but look at how it affects us or should affect our lives to help us 
know God. So that's where we're heading. We're gonna, we are going to take a little bit of time just to look at the, the doctrine of the Trinity, if you like, the truth of what Christians believe. But we're really heading to how that truth is wonderful and transforming for us. And many of us in the room, we, we know that already. We just want to engage again. God as Trinity is how we can know him. So if I could have the next slide, please, Sarah. So... Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, Paul said again right at the start, he said big words that are in the Bible. The fact is, one of the interesting things about, well, I think it's interesting, you think it's really dull, dull little fact, um, but the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. I knew that. Yeah, and I knew Paul knew that. He just made a mistake. Yeah. Amazing though you may find that. So, so the word Trinity is not actually in the Bible. It means, very briefly, it's tri, as in three, and unity. Tri, unity, God three in one and all of that. And it's, a, it's this um, belief that is revealed to us in the Bible of who God is uh, that is fantastic and both quite baffling in some ways at the same time. And you have to almost go through the, so the whole of the Bible to sort of pick up on the, the whole message. And it's very controversial and down through church history there's been church councils debating it and there's been various people labelled heretics for not believing it and all that sort of thing. It's a central Christian doctrine and it can in some ways be fairly easily summarised by these three statements. So it's sort of not that confusing at one level. So, can we read together the first statement? Number one says, God, God, is, three God is three persons. So we believe the Bible has revealed God to us as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. There's three persons of God. That's good. Number two says, Each person is fully God. Okay, we're doing well. So, the Father is God. The Son, Jesus, is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Now, what you, you can come up here if you like. It's good, you've got it. And number three says, And at which point, of course, to some extent, the brain goes, What? How does that work? But it's really, really important. And literally, in church history and stuff, for, uh, for Christians or churches that haven't, if you like, adhered to those three statements, they're it's not really Christian. It's not Christian. They've lost something of Christianity. And so these are really important things. So Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, they don't have Jesus as God. That's fundamentally where you can talk to them a bit, and it sounds quite Christian, but they have slipped up, we would say, in this area. And it is, it's devastating, if you like. Everything hangs in the balance on these things. The Trinity is a thoroughly distinctive Christian belief and it does cause people problems, it, it, you know, where they just wrestle with it in the mind, but yet it's wonderful for us. Like I, said, I don't want to stay too conceptual, but just very briefly, in terms of hopefully this helps, because you might well have conversations about this. Has anybody even had a conversation with someone that hasn't quite liked the message of Christianity, if you like, because they've asked about Trinity, what's all that about? You know, one God, three gods, what, you know, has anybody ever had that kind of conversation? There's a few. So people do ask the question, and some of you will recognise those statements from Alpha. Even as you look at Christianity, it gets covered at that place. But what isn't being said is that God is, and we have to be careful because language really breaks down in some ways here, that God is one person and three persons. Because that would be a contradiction, if you like. Please bear with me a bit. There is one God that we understand them as being three persons. If you like, one being, one essence of God's, 
and three persons. Now, maybe that doesn't leave you any better off in your thinking, but it is slightly different from obviously just making a, a, a contradictory statement, you know, one person, three persons. So this is what we believe um, who God is and has been revealed to us in the Bible. Now, we're actually not going to spend long trying to, you know, back that up from the Bible uh, because it's something drawn out across the whole of it. I have one verse here which just shows all three persons of the Trinity, uh, you know, in a, in a snapshot, acting together. So this is at Jesus' baptism, as you can see. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, so clearly it's the Father, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So you've got all three persons of God uh, in those two verses interacting together and it's like a snapshot of the Trinity. Now obviously that in a sense doesn't completely prove all three statements like that, that there's actually only one God or that all three of those are God or anything like that. But um, there's some leaflets on the welcome desk that I've done that gives uh, a bit of a snapshot, a few more verses that takes through each of the statements that we just looked at. If we can go back to statements again, please. So it just has some Bible verses indicating God is three persons, each person is fully God, and there is one God. So if you are interested just to get that a bit clearer in your thinking from what the Bible teaches, please take one of those sheets. But what I really want to go on and, and talk about is how is it that the Trinity which we can think of as, you know, this slightly bizarre concept, uh, you know, this odd maths, one plus one plus one equals one or something, we go a bit bizarre in it and I'm thinking, why is it so important to us? This is who God is. This is what the Bible's revealed to us. He is Trinity and we know God and we worship him and we love him and he loves us. And so it's fundamental. This is this is. Uh, so important to us as Christians. So at one level, the message of the Trinity to us in terms of how can we know God, you might say it's quite clear because we believe the Father has sent the Son, Jesus, as a man to live a perfect life, to die for us on the cross as the perfect sacrifice before the Father, raised again three days later, ascended into heaven, released the Holy Spirit to us so that we could genuinely know that truth and know God and interact with him and empower us to now live lives after him. It's the Trinity all at work, isn't it? It's, it that's what's happened to us as Christians. That's the truth we believe. But if we have uh, the next verse as well, please. But there's a whole, there's a, another way of looking at this as well. It obviously all overlaps. It's the sense that the Trinity reveals to us that God is a God of love and a God of relationship. And he is drawing us into his relationship. It's who he is. He hasn't just made some actions, chosen, as it were, I will act in a certain way so that we can go to heaven and know him and enjoy heaven with him. It's deep, deeply part of him is what we get revealed in the, the Trinity, that he is a God of love and relationships and that we can know him. This verse here, uh, and I'm going to read it in a second, we see Jesus praying to his Father. So it's only two persons of the Trinity, of the Godhead. 
the whole sort of passage section, John chapter 14 to John chapter 17. It's my favourite section of the whole Bible. That's not particularly relevant to anything, but I just thought I'd let you know. I love that section of the Bible. When you see Jesus talking to the disciples about the Father and about the Spirit, it's a very Trinitarian passage, if you like. And let me read this section. So it's towards the end, and Jesus is praying, and he's praying for all of us, all those who are going to come on to believe in Jesus. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them that I myself may be in them. Now, this prayer of Jesus, in some ways, is praying, is praying for almost church unity in and the, the whole church, but obviously contains us, if you like, as individuals in that. If you're a Christian here today, we're contained in this prayer. And we see Jesus saying to his Father that, um, that he's been loved before the creation of the world. And essentially, he wants us included in that love now. He wants to draw us into that as well. God is Trinity. There's been this loving relationship between the Father, Son and the Spirit, which is mysterious and past totally uh, finding out, I would say in some ways, and yet is true and deep and wonderful. That is been, they've been, there's love going on in their relationship. It's one God, we don't get all of that. The Bible says God is love. You might say it's one of the closest things you ever get to a definition of God. He's love. He is relational. And everything in God wants to draw you and me into that love, that eternal, loving, glorious relationship. And that's why we can know God, if you like, because that's what he wants for us. It's who he is, a loving, relational God. And this prayer of Jesus reflects something of that, that he wants us to know the love that the Father's had for Jesus. I mean, like, that's how much we loved. It's not just some extra love. It's not just a decision of God. This eternal trinity, person of God, mysterious. They've been loving each other for all eternity, saying, come and be a part of that. That's how much I love you. The very love the Father has for Jesus is the love we are loved with, drawn into the trinity, drawn into relationship. Now, I don't know how much your mind is going oh my word, this is, this is bizarre, this is interesting, I've never heard this before, I've thought this before and it's, it's a bit mind-boggling, but I hope your heart is going, I'm coming home. This is, this is us, this is who we, what we're made for, if you like. And to worship God, and just, we don't have to be distant, we don't have to be far away. Everything God has done as Trinity is drawing us into a loving relationship with him. It's just wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. It's just fantastic. And just as you hang it out, I, I want to just talk a little bit about our personal prayer life. Now, this is deeper than just how good's your prayer life as well. I understand that. But as I was thinking about this and reflecting, I just want to think to, to get us thinking about what's our prayer life to our Trinitarian God, our Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, as prayer is often described. What's it like for you in the light of this, um, this loving God who's wanting to draw us in? Because our personal prayer life is obviously a particular 
uh, key way, you might say, where we reflect our relationship with God. We believe we're in relationship with him. And one such thing, it's a really arrogant thing to say if it wasn't true, isn't it? So going back to my story of when I sort of first responded to God in that way, I knew some stuff about God, I read him, and suddenly I'm saying, it's all changed, I now know God. What, the, the God of every, creator of everything, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord of heaven's armies, yeah, I know him. It's just, you know, it's just an outrageous sort of statement, isn't it, at one level, but that's what God does for us. And therefore, when we pray, when we personally go before, maybe you kneel, maybe you stand, or whatever it is you do at different times, we really do believe you're talking to God, your Father, the Son, you're in relationship with him. Now, I'm sure all of us have had, if you've ever prayed, ever, have had what I term the sort of ceiling plaster moments of prayer, where if you like, you're praying, and everything in you just feels the prayer's not going beyond the ceiling plaster. If you like that concept of God being above, you know, maybe that's not right because he's in us as well. But do you know what I mean? Do you, do you understand that, reflect that? Who here has ever prayed and thought, this just feels like a waste of time, I'm bored, maybe God's really bored as well, I don't know what I'm doing. It just feels dry, it doesn't feel, <clears throat> it doesn't feel powerful. Prayer's supposed to be powerful, isn't it? It doesn't feel powerful. You know, prayer's supposed to be like a loving relationship. This feels really distant and dry and dull. And it doesn't feel that way. And to be honest, I think that's almost just life. I'm, I'm not here to say, we could transform all of that, being like that. I don't think it works that way. I think that in so many ways, is, you know, it's the, as we grow and learn and fight, isn't it, in prayer, that often prayer feels like that. And sometimes, hopefully, gloriously, it feels, I'm connected with God, I love it, it's wonderful. You know, the tear stream or the laughter starts or that you just raise your voice with a passion because you pray and you know you're connecting with God. We kind of say, I think, holding this truth of Trinity, God who is relational and loving and has stated is drawing us into that. When you have the ceiling plaster moments, and it feels like nothing's connecting, it is connecting. God hears. Whenever you turn the slightest inclination, saying, God, I'd just like to talk to you, Father, he is listening. He does hear us. It's who he is. It's everything he's done for us to draw us into a relationship with him, for, for us to experience something of his love that he's had for Jesus for all eternity and the spirit inspiring that and drawing, us, uh, drawing that out of us. And so in one sense, really, really simply, all I'm wanting to say of that sense of truth, when you pray, and we should pray, not because Christians should pray because it's a religious thing, because it is a relationship. In that sense, we can't, we are in relationship. It's what God's done, and so it's just natural and normal. And we know that, and we struggle with that, and, you know, we want to develop good habits of that, you know, because any good relationship, you want to sort of talk to each other, at least occasionally, you know, and we struggle with that as well, but we know it's true. And can I say, I genuinely believe, if we, you know, the next time you're praying, if you like, the next time you think, right, I'm going to take some time to pray, and you start and you think, Okay, it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Think, no, no. God's Trinity. He is three persons. He's in relationship. He's loving. And I'm almost like a part of that. Not that we're part of the Godhead. Oh, well, that would sound really heretical, wouldn't it? But, um, but that he's drawn us in in his love. And therefore think, no, so this is good. If you like, then be, no, 
even if it doesn't feel like it, this is a good thing. I can pray because God loves me. It's quite simple. It's quite straightforward. I should say, maybe for uh, some of you here, I think we all struggle with praying. It's one of those ones, it's very difficult, isn't it? Who here's a great prayer? No one's going to go, oh, me, I'm really good at that. You know, just, it doesn't sort of work that way in the field, does it? But, uh, and so we all struggle in different ways. And I, I hope every one of us gets moments where it feels easy and the spirit does come on us and it's just brilliant. But I think we all genuinely experience the sort of ceiling plaster prayer moments. But there may even be particular, some of us in the room, just you, or, or you really can't conceive that God is going to listen to you. It just feels like, why would God listen to me? You just don't have any kind of sense of that or feel like you've never had any sense of that. I want to say, if you're a Christian, if you've given life to Jesus, that is not true. God will listen to you, does listen to you, wants to hear from you. You're a part of it. You know, we're all priests before him. It's all equal in that sense. But as we um, get towards the end of the service a bit later, if you really feel that way quite deeply, you just think you don't, you've even switched off from prayer. You don't almost attempt any kind of what I've termed personal prayer, any kind of conversation with God. You think, what's the point? It's just not on your radar. You feel it's not built into you, if you like, at all. We'd love to pray for you if that's where you're at. Because you, you, can, you can have a, like, a vibrant prayer life, even with the ceiling plaster moments. The Spirit can help us all to know God more deeply uh, than we yet do. Because it's relational, we want to grow in our relationship with him, don't we? And understand more and more of his love for us. Just before we finish, there's a few more things I want to say about God knowing people. It's a, I hope if we can move on to the next slide. Um, because if it's true, as we believe that God loves us, we really do know God. And of course we know that God wants to know more people, doesn't he? Amen. There are those around us uh, that don't know God and don't know his love and we want them uh, to know about it. In many ways that's what the Great Commission is all about and the Great Commission is the word Christians often give to this verse here, or a verse is sorry, where Jesus spoke to the disciples and therefore to us to, to go in his name and preach the gospel. Let me read it. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And just what I wanted to point out, so there you see another statement. The Trinity is clearly mentioned there. When Jesus commissioned us, he, if you like, invoked the, the sort of full names of God, all, you know, the Trinity, we go and, you know, baptise in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's this sense of relationship, I believe, is part of what's going on. There again, God is saying he wants to draw people into that relationship, into that love. And that's what, therefore, we want for people, isn't it? So we want to grow in our relationship with God. Personal prayers are a part of that. And we can grow in that. There's more to it than that, of course. The Trinity is a huge thing. I just felt I wanted to focus on the sort of sense of our personal prayer and therefore, because of that, very simply, we do want more and more people to know, um, to know about God, don't we? To be drawn into their relationship with our Trinity God, to know the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. It would be uh, sort of tempting to say that our, you know, our plan as a church to go to three sites, Bermsey, rather than New Cross, it's like the new Trinity or something, but that would be quite dodgy. And I'm not 
going to say that, you know, one church, three sites, you know, and anyway, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, no analogies of the Trinity really work, but what's on the heart of doing that is, of course, that we do want people to know about God, that's basically what's going on, it's not complicated, we want people in the communities around us to discover this wonderful God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for us to keep taking steps to be obedient to what Jesus is saying there as we grow in our relationship with him, don't we? Amen. If we can have the final, the, the final verse, thank you. So uh, just what I thought we'd do in conclusion, and then I invite anybody who would like prayer, uh, particularly if they've had sort of personal prayer life, just would like someone to stand with them in that and believe God that you can pray. God cares for you, loves you, and will listen to you. Um, I, don't, I hadn't thought this all through, uh, Lowe. So this is, some of you will know this. Who's ever been in church who would do this regularly? Say the grace together at the end. As a few people from our backgrounds. We obviously don't, our sort of style of church, we don't tend to do this at all. This is a Trinitarian passage, if you like. You see all three persons of God in it. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Some of you can't help yourselves but say it with me (laughs) because that's what you're sort of supposed to do. So I'm wondering if in the chaos of City Hope, before our God who loves us and is drawing us uh, into a relationship with him, I'm just aware, by the way, that I've made some of the stuff on Trinity, I've made it quite individual with personal prayer. And in some ways, it's all of us. You know, it's more than just each of us as individuals. It is us of us together, drawn into knowing God. And as we finish, maybe we can reflect that by somehow standing, joining hands across the room and saying the grace together for this pronouncement of blessing of all three persons of God blessing us. So, we let's stand up, join hands. Figure it out. Everyone's kind of... <coughs> so, apart from me, who's not holding a hand? Come on, just... Uh, so, so God loves us, doesn't he? But it's all of us as well as individuals. Now, I just want to finish with that thought. So I'm just trying to start some dance moves off there. We need to finish this <laughs> soon, don't we? Can we say the grace together? Okay. May the grace of Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. I think I missed the amen off there. Apologies. Let <laughs> Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Father, Son, and Spirit, we thank you. You're such a wonderful God. And we thank you for your rescue plan. We thank you for your love towards us that we can know God. It is an outrageous thing, Lord. We do genuinely say we know the truth of what you've done for us. We don't just know stuff about you. We don't just read the Bible and go, God's kind of interesting. You've drawn us in so that we've experienced something of the depth of your love for us and we know that and we know you as a result and we love it Lord and we pray help us individually grow in our relationship with you I do pray for our prayer life before you Lord Jesus it's important it's one aspect but it's important all of us here who love you Lord want to 
grow in prayer and, and just encounters with you through our prayer life. Please help us, Jesus. We pray as a church, as a community, we would grow in our knowledge and love of you. Thank you, Lord. You're big enough to encapsulate the lot, Lord. Even that small picture as we stand holding hands together, proclaiming the blessing of the grace over us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You're well up for that. Lord God, you're well able to do it. Lord God, we look forward to all the great things you would do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, uh, guys, thank you very much. I was thinking, I shouldn't have finished with Jesus' name. I should have done all three again, shouldn't I, at that point? But um, bless you. Thank you very much. We're, uh, we're finished. Let's say, if anybody would like prayer to know God for the first time, to take that step or to grow in their prayer life, please come down. We'd love to pray for you. Other than that, please collect your children and stay for tea and coffee.